there, Cine fans. It is your resident wrestler, yes, sir, the living proof, Jaston Taylor. And I'm here signing on again for another episode of Solo Slayers. And that means that it'll just be me on tonight. I'm going to review three movies that I had the fortunate opportunity of seeing. And unfortunately, my other podcast colleagues, Heather and Sterling, did not get to see these films. But I thought that these films also deserved a review for our podcast listeners. So I took it upon myself to just give you the rundown of these three films that I was fortunate enough to see recently. And those films are going to be Motherless Brooklyn, Harriet, and Ford versus Ferrari. So I'm going to just talk about those in depth and talk about my likes and dislikes for each one of those films. And I will be given scores for each one of those films as well. So to kick this off, we are going to start with Motherless Brooklyn. And this is a directorial debut for Edward Norton. Um, as well, and Edward Norton also stars in this movie as its main character, and it's also got some perf- some other people that you might recognize, like Alec Baldwin and William Defoe, and Bruce Willis is also great in here too for the little time that he's in. But uh, but but I'd be remiss if I didn't say a few things about Edward Norton. I've always been a fan of this actor. I was sad to see him go whenever he left the MCU after The Incredible Hulk. It'd be interesting to see what would have happened with that character or how um, an actor like Edward Norton would have reacted to some of the things that they wound up doing with the Hulk, but we didn't get that, so that's not the hero there. But this is an actor whose acting ability I've always respected, and Edward Norton just always kind of stuck out to me as that good dude you know he was always just that a person who if I saw that Edward Norton was in a film I knew that at least if if there was anything I could count on I knew his part in it would be good and American History X is one of my favorite movies with him and it just a fantastic virtuoso performance if you haven't seen that and I don't know who hasn't but if you haven't seen America History X you need to get on that and I'm pretty sure and the last time I checked it was on Netflix for a little bit so you might want to check there if you haven't seen that film Uh, The Illusionist is another great film that starred Edward Norton he was also very good as a supporting character in Birdman I I really thought that he was wonderful in that film as well so Edward Norton has always been one of those guys that I've respected and when I found out that Edward Norton was going to be directing a whodunit kind of noir mystery type of film and that he was directing I was on board and I had to see this movie and I'm glad that I got a chance to do so and overall where I landed with this film is generally positive I did enjoy this film overall and um and, and, and this is a really good story here. Edward Norton's direction 
is very good in this film. He's great. He has a, definitely has an eye for building a sense of atmosphere. The cinematography was dark and gritty and dreary, just like it needed to be for a story like this. Um, Edward Norton plays a guy named Lionel Esrog, who his mom once called him a motherless Brooklyn. He's a guy who suffers from Tourette's syndrome, but... Uh, and even though he may have that as a handicap or whatever, or however you want to label that, um, he doesn't let that stop him from being a private detective and that getting away, um, getting in the way of his job. And he's actually got a special gift, which is the reason why Bruce Willis's character, Frank, hires him. He has an in an uncanny ability to remember the facts so he can be at a scene he can listen to two people's conversation and he doesn't forget anything he's got that photographic type of memory going on and he just remembers all of the details from every conversation and um edward norton does a, a great job here directing and starring um he's so believable as this character and he's very compelling as this character and that definitely is the glue that holds this thing together that's what this um narrative is driven on and i thought that edward norton really shined in this he d he does do an excellent job whether he was behind the camera or in front of it um during for these scenes and in this of course he was doing both at the same time but he was really great here i, I thought that he really knocked it out of the park with his performance which really if you seen any of Edward Norton stuff, you know that that's um, not a surprise. I also appreciated the, the, the overall idea and the story of this because Edward Norton's mentor, um, Frank, is suddenly killed once he um, uncovers some information about something that seems to be going on with um, a, a government official who's trying to get elected, Moses, who's played by Alec Baldwin. And there seems to be a conspiracy and some sort of underground syndicate, if you will, involved with politics and people. And so it sends Edward Norton on this goose chase. He's trying to just figure out why his mentor and the person who was like a father to him, Frank, was killed. And he winds up uncovering this web of deceit and lies and um, scandal that's actually going on with um, some of the government there and these uh, and these underground communities in Brooklyn and Harlem. And I, and like I said, I really like this story because as our Edward Norton character is uncovering what's going on in Brooklyn, this film uh, covers a lot of things that, that that you could see happening in politics at that time. And and I and ironically, really does mirror even some of the po the political things going on today, especially with the subject of gentrification, which I'm no stranger to gentrification because I actually did a paper on that um, in college. Uh, and, and for those that don't know, what's happening in this film is that we've got this uh, government official, Moses, who's played by Alec Baldwin. And not only is he trying to win favor with the communities, but he's trying to build parks. He's trying to kind of build these uh, build these empires and these businesses that are going to be profitable for him. However, in order to do that, he is kicking 
uh, people who live in these rural areas and and the and what he calls the slums, and most of this is comprised of poor people and black people and things like that. And basically, the idea is in trying to campaign and build this sort of the, the, this facade that he's trying to um, rebuild the communities and make the communities better and things like that. He's pushing good people out of their homes. So um, so what happens with Edward Norton's character is that he kind of runs into the middle of this and Lionel is trying to find out what what is going on and what happened to um, his mentor, Frank. And he walks into all of this whole thing with the gentrification. And along the way, he meets someone else who was also very good in this movie, uh, Gugu Batharal, who plays Laura in this film. And and Gugu, I'm not really um, a fan of hers. I haven't seen her in a lot of films, but she was in... Um, Wrinkle in Time. She also was in the Beauty and the Beast remake that came out recently. So those are a few of the um, supporting roles that she played in. But I thought that she was very good here. This She's this very strong-minded woman who understands the politics of what's going on. And she understands that the, the gentrifying of these areas is going to push her out of her home. And she really comes off as this person who is standing against Alec Baldwin's character Moses and she's trying to prevent that. She's trying to um, uh, hopefully do something that can stop this from happening. And she's also protesting and going to different um, and making different speeches, talking to the people about how we're losing our communities and they're pushing black people out and things like that. And a lot of these issues aren't very far from the truth. I, when I research gentrification, there are definitely examples of these rich people for their own self-interest pushing these poorer people out of their homes because, of course, they can't afford it, driving up land costs, and therefore it, it pushes these poor people out of their homes, pushes them out of the communities so that you can allow for the gentrifying of those areas and building uh, business buildings and different things like that. So there are two sides to this coin, and our character Lionel, played by Edward Norton, is kind of caught in the middle of this. And as the story moves along, I really think that Edward Norton does a good job of keeping Keeping all these things into perspective, there was never a point to where I was confused about the story or what it was trying to say. And as you get towards the end and you unravel more of this story and as Edward Norton has more conversations with William Defoe's character, Paul, who is the brother of our government official Moses. And there's, and he's trying to help Edward Norton because he's him. He has history with his brother and he's trying to help him uncover this puzzle and what's going on. And when you get to the end of this movie and you um, uncover that actually Gugu's character, Laura is linked to Moses and there's more than meets the eye. And there was this secret relationship that he was actually having with um, with uh, Laura's mother and that that was something that he didn't want to get out because an interracial relationship is something that he didn't want to get out. And so as you get to unraveling this, 
everything comes together quite nicely in the end. And the ending, uh, for the most part, is mostly satisfying. Basically, a deal is made where Edward Norton understands what happened to his mentor. But now that he has sort of uh, developed a, a love and appreciation for Laura, for the character Laura, now it's more about protecting her. And as he unravels this web, he finds out that her life is in danger. So basically, this film ends with a trade-off being made where he basically says, okay, look, Moses, corrupt government official and corrupt person, I know that you're going to do what you do, but leave her out of this and I won't spill the story. And basically, an agreement is made to where he won't spill the story if if um, if Moses spares Laura's life, that is something that is agreed upon. And so they kind of come to this familiar understanding, which was something that I didn't expect. A lot of times with movies like this, you would almost expect that there would be this tumultuous ending and this climatic clash. But instead of it being a climatic clash and a fist fight and somebody falls off of a building or something, it really wound up being a conversational battle of wits. And what kind of leverage I have versus what kind of leverage you have. So that to me was a little more realistic. That to me was something that I actually appreciated more than I thought I would. Um, so overall, I thought that Edward Norton did an impressive job here of putting together the story. Um, if there are any dislikes that I have about this film is I will warn you, this film is pretty damn long. It's 144 minutes, which basically, so that basically puts it at about two hours and 20 minutes, two and a half hours, just about. And I don't know if the film warranted being that slow. Um, it spends a lot of time setting things up, establishing characters and things like that, which you definitely think are necessary. But towards the middle, boy, does this film kind of drag with us kind of looking for clues and our character being frustrated and him go, um, going for clues that lead to dead ends. And then him meeting somebody else who gives him a little clue here and a little clue there. And then it looks like he's in danger and now he's getting captured and getting interrogated. So there are a lot of moving parts and there are a lot of characters. And then with the whole political intrigue that Edward Norton was trying to set up, there are times where you feel like this film definitely drags. So, and I just wonder if it really needed to be two and a half hours. And I think that that kind of a lengthy running time, especially for a film like this, which is more about gathering clues and dialogue and characters having conversations and less about action and different things like that. I just don't know if everyone is going to have the patience for it. And, and the other thing that I will say quickly about it as far as in the dislike section even though I did appreciate the battle of wits, the resolution where there's just kind of this agreement and that's kind of the end of the film does feel a little like it wasn't quite um, 
as impactful as maybe it should have come off. Even though I appreciate what was done, I can't say that it had one of those satisfied endings where you're like, oh man, I see how this is going to solve a problem or I see how all the problems were solved. I get that his friend, his new confidant and friend who he had confided in and cared about is now going to live and that's great but beyond that the film it just kind of seems like uh things are going to continue and things are going to continue to be corrupt and different things like that so it it just didn't have the sense of closure that i think edward norton thought that this film was going to have so if there's any complaint that i have it would just be that for as long as the runtime was and when you get to the payoff i do feel that the payoff just wasn't quite as effective for how long we had to go and stick with this story through the end to get there so overall that would be my review for this film do i recommend this film i i think that i i can especially if you're a fan of edward norton and it's been a while since we've had a film like this it, this really just takes me back to films like Chinatown and different things like that where you're this this murder mystery and you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to unravel all these pieces and something like that was something that I really appreciated and I think that you will like the performances and you will love um, Edward Norton's turn and, I, and I'm excited to see what else Norton does with his uh, directorial debut. If I'm not mistaken, this film I know wasn't quite as successful at the box office but I'm hoping that maybe it'll see a bigger turnaround whenever it comes to media and I hope that Edward Norton doesn't give up man for this being the the first film that for him to direct I think the sky is the limit for him and I would definitely like to see him do more and you should go see this so I'm going to give Motherless Brooklyn 70 uh Edward Norton uh stuttering 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 but finally finally getting to the point that he randomly remembered because he's got that photographic memory out of a hundred pretty solid film first directorial film from Edward Norton check this film out and with that I am going to move on to Harriet now, Harriet is based on the historical uh, African-American activist, leader, uh, civil rights revolutionist, Harriet Tubman. So, I mean, I think that you, we've done enough Black History Months in school and it's been covered long enough. I mean, if you don't know who Harriet Tubman is, you should by now. Uh, I mean, I implore you to stop this right now and Google her. <coughs> Excuse me there. Um, because Harriet Tubman is a very, very important person to American history. Um, her part and the creation of the Underground Railroad and how she took these slaves and liberated them, um, sent, got them on a path to freedom and how that impacted what was going on with slavery in America at that time is something that is not only commendable, but it's something that should be celebrated. She is a person that is revered by many people, especially in the black community, the black diaspora in black history here in this country. So Harriet is definitely an important person, somebody who um, should not be 
ignored. And she's a very, very pivotal figure in American history. And with that being said, I am happy to report that I really like this film. Uh, Cynthia Erivo, who plays Harriet in this movie, um, wow, does she do an amazing job. Her performance is emotional. Her performance is just so wonderful. She does such a great job being this person who is like, you know, it was almost like she's um, this real life action hero, but she brought such a grace to this role, such emotions to this role. She really was great at capturing a lot of the hardships that Harriet went through, the determination that she had to do what she was doing in this film. So my hat is off to her and I wouldn't be surprised if come awards time and I want to say that there's already golden globe buzz and I imagine that there will be Oscar buzz. I wouldn't be surprised because she definitely gives one of the better female performances of the year. Well, really, even uh, better performances, honestly. So I do expect to see her name around awards time. And Cassie Lemons, I think, does a really good job uh, with, the, with, with the story and what we got here. This chronicles Harriet starting off as a slave and then and it chronicles her escape from slavery to where she kind of becomes this uh, the through the invention of the Underground Railroad where she was liberating slaves and then um, all the way up until the end of the film where she ultimately becomes an abolitionist. So that's kind of the trail that this takes. There are some other um, solid performances here. Janelle Monet, who plays uh, Mary or Marie, um, was another great character in this because whenever... Um, um, Harriet makes her escape from slavery and, and winds up uh, further in the north where they are um, where they where they are basically liberating slaves and writing them out documentation and giving them their papers in order for them to be freed men and women. She is one of the people who houses Harriet and takes care of her and kind of gets Harriet back on her feet. And during that time period, they strike a friendship just after Harriet escapes from slavery. So I thought that she was good here as this caring person, this person who was had been a free woman all of her life, but still have that heart and compassion and care for those who weren't free. So I thought that she did a, a great job. Um, <clears throat> Joe Alwyn is another um, person that stood out in this movie, and he plays Gideon, who is, uh, he's the son of the slave owner family uh, that, that, that had Harriet, uh, that enslaved Harriet and her family. And I thought that he did a really good job here as this relentless slave owner who kind of always had this connection with Harriet since childhood and him trying to reestablish that and him trying to uh, keep everything in control like his dad had it and him not really learning any lessons and it kind of showing that ongoing tradition of sla of slavery and the and the mindset of slave masters and how that even overtakes the children and so in this chase to try to find Harriet or try to stop the Underground Railroad, um, he is a, he plays a great um, antagonist character in this that I thought. Um, 
I also like just some of the subjects and themes that this film touches on. There's a, a very poignant part at, towards the beginning of this film where, um, where, 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 where the character's father, Gideon's father, um, is having these slaves uh, join them for almost like a little prayer session that they're having. And they're reading these verses from the Bible and the Bible is telling and he's telling his slaves, look what the Bible says. You need to be a good slave and you need to obey us and you need to do what we say. And then he has one of them, I believe, lead the, lead them all in a prayer. And basically in the prayer, he's having the slaves say, yes, Lord, we want to be good slaves and keep us obedient and keep us healthy so that we can do the job that we need to need to do. And that was one of the things that I was very happy was in there because it is often misconstrued how much religion played a part in controlling slaves at that time. And in, in, in telling the slaves, look, you're Christian because you belong to this family. So you're going to be the religion that we tell you to be. And so some of that manipulation was there. But on the flip side of that, it also showed that Harriet was a very God-fearing woman. She also believed in God and she believed in Christ and different things like that. And she had a completely different interpretation of that. And there was one great speech that she delivers in the film where she says, man, no God of mine would want a man to own another man and a woman and ownership of men and things like that is something that God wouldn't stand for. So I do like the fact that they were brave enough to put both of those perspectives in there. The perspective of how white people at back at that time and slave owners used to use religion to manipulate and control. And then it also showed how uh, blacks could compartmentalize that and maybe use that godly or religious motivation to do something better. So I appreciated that both sides of that coin were in there. Um, if I had really any uh, dislikes of, about this film, it, it would just be that they glossed over some things that I really wish um, were in the movie. <clears throat> when we get to the end of the movie um, where she's made it back uh, to through, through the Underground Railroad and she decides to become an abolitionist and help out in the Civil War and become a spy for the Civil War and everything like that. We don't get to see any of that. And that was one of the things that I had read about Harriet Tubman. And I thought that this movie was going to have that. And I was so excited to see what her role was in the Civil War. And unfortunately, I don't know if there's a lack of records of what she did or if maybe there, you know, when it comes to research at that time, if that was something that was hard to come by or the director here, uh, who is, um, Casey Lemons. Good job, by the way, Casey, overall in the film. But I don't know if maybe Casey just that that subject matter was difficult to pull up. But it was I was very unhappy that um, all I got was just a texted paragraph at the end saying Harriet became a spy during the Civil War and liberated several people and was very instrumental in what happened in the Civil War. 
I wanted to see that, man. I wanted to see what she was doing as this spy, how she infiltrated these places, how she was able to gather information, and how that led to the further liberation and the abolition of slavery. So I wish the film had covered more of that. Um, another complaint I guess I kind of have is that I do understand that Harriet Tubman was a God-fearing woman and that she prayed and that in, in, in her mind, a lot of, um, everything that she did, she was being, um, she was following the spirit. She was trusting God and she was doing all of those things. But sometimes, man, the way that they would present some of this just, was a bit hokey to me. Like there are scenes where she's uh, <clears throat> out in the wilderness somewhere and she's praying and she's uh, praying. And then there are these other characters going, what is she doing? Is she out there talking to herself? And then another character goes, no, she's praying to God. That's how we're going to figure out where to go. She's got to hear from God first and then she's going to tell us. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that something like this didn't happen but there had to be a better way to present this. Like th there had to be a better way to kind of present this idea. And sometimes I just thought the presentation of that was a little hokey. Why not just have her just, you know, being confused and asking God, look, I don't know what to, I don't know where to go. I'm not sure what to do, but I'm going to trust in myself and I'm going to trust in what I know. And I'm going to follow my instincts and I'm going to trust that you're going to get us out of this thing. Kind of leave that thing half and half because you, because I mean, and you don't, I just don't think, I think you kind of do her a disservice if everything about her outsmarting these slave owners, her finding these paths and her attention to detail and her strategy and her intelligence when it came to this. Sometimes I do think that is downplayed in this film for mysticism and you know religious stuff and i just wish that third maybe not saying that you needed to nix all of that because i do understand that was very much a part of who harriet was but i think that maybe you needed to balance those things if there was a balanced presentation of her intelligence her anticipation her instincts to balance with the religious aspect of it, I just say think I would have appreciated that approach a little bit more. Um, and then the last just dislike that I would talk about is just, um, you know, I just think that in a lot of ways, this movie does have some cliches when it comes to these biopic Hollywood type of movies. You've seen it before, and I know you'll recognize it as I say it, but you know how in sometimes in these movies like this, there's always this scene where the character does some sort of a speech and there's this traumatic music and all of a sudden everybody is hyped up and everybody goes, oh yeah, now that you said this speech, we're all going to be determined and we're all going to follow you and do something awesome. And unfortunately, this film has one of those. There's this scene where she's standing there and it's just one of those scenes, those just kind of cringeworthy scenes that you've seen before where a character sits there and goes, look, I don't know about anybody else, but I know what I've been through and I don't want anybody else to go through that. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand on my two feet and I'm going to use those feet 
to march across the lines and I'm going to stand up to all adversity and I believe that and you should believe that too. And then it goes, does some amazing music and everybody is standing up and everybody is looking at each other and they all look determined and they're like, yeah, Harriet, you're right. We need to liberate slaves. And I'm just like, okay, man, like I just wish that that didn't happen that way. And like I said, it's not that maybe that that didn't happen or that something like that isn't similar, but I just think that there needed to be a better way to present that. I just feel like sometimes when it, when, when it, uh, when it feels too familiar, too cliche, it's sort of takes away from the moment to me. And and that was just kind of one of those moments. But overall, those to me, none of those things that I complained about are deal breakers in this case. I really think that this is one of the most noteworthy acting uh, performances of the year by Cynthia Erivo. And overall, I did appreciate this movie. It did do Harriet right. It did kind of depict her almost as, like I said, this real life superhero. She was gun toting and she's galloping across the wilderness and forest and she's helping people and she's finding these slaves and getting them to their freedom. And that whole thing and the hardships of that and even whether it was her fighting against slave owners and slave masters or her fighting against other slaves who were kind of like Uncle Tom's and who had turned on her and were trying to uh, help the, the, the slave owners track her down. She overcomes this with a grace and a passion and a determination that really just makes you appreciate her walk and her journey overall. And that is definitely something that comes across. So with that being said, I am going to give this movie 80 Harriet Tubman's praying desperately for her people to be liberated and then standing on her own two feet and taking matters into her own hands and guiding others across the underground railroad out of 100 again this is another movie that i highly recommend for all the movies that are out right now about female empowerment and females doing great things and strong positive figures i don't know how you get stronger really than somebody like harriet tubman i think she's an inspiration to us all especially to other black people if you didn't get to see this film make sure you see it Okay, and then the last film that I wanted to cover for this Solo Slayers is going to be Ford versus Ferrari. And I mean Ford or Ford v. Ferrari, if I'm speaking technical. Now, this movie, uh, there's a reason why I decided to talk about this movie last. Because you gotta save the best for last. And my goodness, man, Ford v. Ferrari is probably one of the best racing, like, car racing films that I have seen in a long, long time. And I mean, there have been um, a lot of great racing films over the years, but this one, man, just really takes the cake. Um, Matt Damon, I'll start with him, because Matt Damon and Christian Bale 
are both noteworthy here. But I, I just have to say a little bit about Matt Damon. Much like I was talking about uh, Edward Norton earlier when I went over Motherless Brooklyn, Matt Damon is one of those actors that I've always respected, man. Um, I, I just have always had the utmost respect for Matt Damon. I've always thought that he was a great actor. I do feel that he is underrated. I sometimes don't feel that he gets all of the credit that he deserves. And sometimes I, I think that might be uh, for movie choices. Uh, I, I still don't know why you did Great Wall, Matt. I really wish you could explain that to me. But uh, but, 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 but a lot of the times, man, I enjoy Matt Damon. Uh, I don't, I mean, what can't be said about the Jason Bourne movies? I mean, the Bourne trilogy is a very solid trilogy. Not that fourth one that came out with Jeremy Renner or whatever. I'm just talking about the main three with Matt Damon. So let's not go there. But Matt Damon does, um, an, an excellent job in that film. The talented Mr. Ripley is another film where he kind of plays this psycho kind of uh, this psycho character. And he's very good in that. If you have it came out years and years ago. If you haven't seen the talented Mr. Ripley, I urge you to see that. Uh, Matt Damon uh, also uh, was wrote and starred in Goodwill Hunting, and that was a film which uh, where he earned his first Academy Award for Best Screenplay. Wrote that with Ben Affleck, and Goodwill Hunting is a fantastic film. Uh, man, the and like I said, the Bourne movies, or what about The Departed? You know, uh, he was one of the biggest stars working in that. Um, and here, and lately, the past few years, The Martian was a great space movie. So, you know, Matt Damon does have a resume with quality and good films. It's just that he hasn't always had um, the box office success to go with that. And that's unfortunate because he's one of those actors where I just don't know if he will ever quite get the, the credit that he deserves. But, but, but maybe that might change with this film because this film film is definitely one of the best films of the year. Uh, um, James Mango directs this with such a grace and such a precision, and it has excellent cinematography. Every race just has such an intensity to it, and the camera angles that you get. And we don't often talk about sound editing on Cinema Slayers, but the sound editing for this, I won't be surprised if this comes up for a lot of technical awards come Oscar time, because the sound editing here, the, the roaring of the engines, the parts flying whenever a, a racer goes crashing into one of the side racing walls, or just the roar as the cars go speeding by and swiping by. All of these sounds are so on point and just so precise that it really puts you in the heart of every race. So I can't say enough about the sound editing and the direction of James Mango in this movie. Um, Matt Damon plays this character called Carol, who Shelby, Carol Shelby, who was this British race car driver. 
um, I'm sorry, um, who was this re former race car driver who has now become this automotive designer. And he sees an opportunity and he befriends or he goes to his fearless British race car driver, Ken Miles, who is played by Christian Bale. And I'll get to Christian Bale in a minute because he was fantastic here. But of course, this friendship, um, it comes into play whenever Ford is um, trying to build a car that can compete with Ferrari because the Ford is losing business. They're trying to repackage their brand. And at this time, racing is all the rage and Ferrari have this reputation. Their Italian vehicles have this reputation of always winning the races and they were fast and people were gravitating toward them. And Ford the um, car company wanted a little bit of that pie. They wanted to improve their reputation and try a different way of looking at it. But the only way to do that is to legitimize yourself with racing. So that's what this film is about. It's about Ford going to these friends and these partners, Shelby and Ken Miles, and going to them and seeing if not only they can build a car, but build a car that can compete with Ferrari um, in the races. So that's what this film is about. And this just does such a great job of chronicling the friendship between Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. And Matt Damon and Christian Bale are just wonderful. Anytime they're on screen, all of the conversations, they're just so believable in these roles and they're just so compelling. And Christian Bale Man, he is just was perfectly suited for this role as kind of this broody, um, kind of eccentric, but loner type of guy, Ken Miles, who's got these quirky things about him, these eccentric ways about him. He's not the best talker. He doesn't play uh, the as well with others, but his instincts on a racing track, his understanding of cars and what makes them tick and the machinery and the mechanics, all of that is there. And you can just tell that he is a person who just has these uncanny abilities to be able to understand these things. And Matt Damon or Carol Shelby in this film understands that he knows that his friend is special and he needs his friend to go on this journey with him. But things don't always go so smoothly because there are members of Ford in this that are that, that even though they want Carol Shelby to in this and they want Ken Miles to build this car, they don't feel that Ken Miles can really be the face of Ford going into this these races with Ferrari because of the way that Ken Miles is. So this causes a conflict and a rip. And John Berthenall, as Lee in this film, who is one of the representatives for Ford, is kind of this man caught in the middle. He likes Shelby and Ken Miles, but he's trying to do the bidding of Ford, and he's trying to um, do the right thing by Ford. So he's kind of this man caught in the middle often playing both sides, but his heart's in the right place. And I thought that John Berthenhall came off great here. Uh, I loved him earlier this year in The Peanut Butter Falcon. And he's also great here. You know, he's great as this middleman type of 
character. Um, you also have Tracy Letts, who plays Henry Ford, uh, of course, the, 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 the son of the late Ford, but who is now the owner of the company. And I think he's great here, too, as this man who feels disrespected by Ferrari and is trying to get them back, but doesn't quite understand everything about cars and everything like that. So he goes back and forth with executives and Shelby and Ken Miles. And of course, this causes all types of conflict. But ultimately, he is just a man who is trying to uplift and, and live out and really uphold his father's legacy and find a way to do that. And I think that that performance is another one that comes off genuine. So yeah, Christian Bale is just, um, again, just can't say enough about him. And whenever he's racing on the track and he's out there and he's in the, in the car and he's, um, going or, or whether he's just building something for the car or trying to take parts out of a car so that they can lighten up the car's weight in order to try to see if it can go faster. He just does a phenomenal job. And I honestly would not be surprised if uh, if Christian Bale is up for Oscars this year. I really think that this is one of the best performances. But what may prevent that is that there are a lot of good performances here. So even though I thought he stood out as the best performer in this movie, it's not by much because you have quite a few excellent performances in this. And like I said, the, the, the racing is fast and furious. And even when our characters have drama, even when there's the proverbial uh, cliche kind of part where you have the characters kind of have a falling out, but then they kind of have to regroup and come back together. All of this just feels genuine. They have a way with the writing and the dialogue where it nothing feels forced and nothing just feels like um, like it was wasted motion. And at the end of this film, I can't say enough for like the end of this film, because when you get to the end of this film, it doesn't have a happy ending in the traditional sense. This is very much not a film that just ends with our characters winning the race and they're triumphant and everything is right with the world because they won the race against Ferrari. There's this other message about victory even in loss and this message about and there's this bigger picture macro type of message about the fact that life is more about the journey than it is about the destination and a fulfilling life is a life that enjoyed its journey not a life that accomplished everything not a life that reached all its goals and I know that sometimes that's what society can feel like I mean I even go through that myself out here in the world of professional wrestling and I'm pretty sure there are listeners out there that go through that kind of stuff as well but sometimes it feels like your life isn't fulfilled unless you're fulfilling some kind of goal or living some kind of dream or you know a lot of times we define ourselves by what we're doing or what we're headed towards but we forget to slow down and just enjoy our friendships we, we forget to slow down and just enjoy the journey the things that we're doing to get from point A to point B. And ultimately, that's normally where the most rewarding stuff is. And I think that that definitely comes across in this movie. And that 
even in its sadness at the end, made it such a feel-good movie because of that message and because of what the film was trying to say. And too many, and too often do you have these films come out and they really don't say anything. They highlight these characters. It has a story from point A to point B, but you don't always feel like you left with anything. Well, Ford versus Ferrari is not that film. Not only was I treated to a well-paced film, not only was I treated to some superb acting performances from Matt Damon, Christian Bale, John Burtonall, and the rest of the cast, but I left with something. I just left with that reminder to appreciate your journey as much as you do the destinations. So with that, we have arrived to the destination of the end of this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I recommend Ford versus Ferrari. Like I said, it is one of the best films of the year and the score is going to reflect like that I give this film 94 Christian Bales Ken Miles racing vigorously aggressively and with determination around the track overlapping Ferrari and those and the and Ferrari and their cars and proving once and for all that it's all about the destination or I'm sorry that it's all about the journey that you take and not the destination out of 100. So I know I said a lot there. 94 out of 100. Definitely one of the best films of the year with some of the best performances. Go check this out. And with that being said, Cinefans, that's going to do it for this episode of Solo Slayers. Please check us out on Facebook. We're there on Cinema Slayers Podcast. And please give us a like. And that's where we post. Uh, we always trying to post the most update movie previews. We always put in links to our podcast and things like that. A link of this will be up soon on that same Facebook site. You can check us out on Instagram at, at Cinema Slayers. Um, you can also check us out of Cinema Slayers on Twitter as well. We also have the website CinemaSlayers.com where we have written reviews, links to some of these podcasts that we do, and different blogs and things like that. And you can also pick up uh, Cinema Slayers merchandise on that website at CinemaSlayers.com. So with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for me and this edition of Solo Slayers. So definitely check out Motherless Brooklyn. Harriet Ford v Ferrari and let us know what you think and we will and you will hear us again and we will see you again next time on another fantastic episode of Cinema Slayers. Mm-hmm.